Hello, I'm Kristen McDonald, and thank you so much for tuning in to Second Vision. Do you suffer from post-traumatic stress? Lisa Erickson is an energy worker specializing in women's energetic sexual trauma. Her book is Chakra Empowerment for Women, Self-Guided Techniques for Healing Trauma, Owning Your Power, and Finding Overall Wellness. Lisa also helps women balance their energy during key life transitions such as pregnancy, postpartum, perimenopause, and menopause. She also works with women to heal emotional wounds from abuse and assault. Lisa is certified in mindfulness meditation and trauma sensitivity, and she's trained in a number of modalities, so many that I couldn't possibly enumerate all of them. She's passionate about helping any women connect with her energy line, and she's here to share her wisdom with us today. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Kristen. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So so tell us, what led you to write this book? Well, I've been working with women for many years, and I wanted to share some of the information and some of the tools that I had developed on a more wide basis. And I'm really focused on helping any woman learn to connect with her chakras, the energy centers in her body. I believe any of us can learn to do that. And I specifically wanted to focus in on some of the differences in chakras between men and women because that's not as widely covered in general chakra books and also on sexual trauma healing because I believe chakra work has a lot to offer for any woman who is working through that. No, it's very interesting. Did you have your own experience? Was it one of those that it led you to write, you know, the book for recovery or you just had an interest in it yourself? Yeah, well, I had a very good friend who in high school was a sexual assault victim, Mm -hmm. and that led to a lot of studies in college, et cetera. But really what happened is I was a meditation teacher, and I had so, and I mostly focused on women's meditation classes. This was 20, 25 years ago. I had so many women come up to me saying that they were abuse or assault survivors. And now, in light of the Me Too movement, we do realize how prevalent it was. At the time, it was kind of a shock to me, and it really sent me on this journey of looking for techniques and tools to help. And now I really view it as part of a larger shift that's going on in the culture because I do believe energetically we're all connected. So as we heal on that level, it really reverberates throughout our consciousness, the collective consciousness. Yeah, and it's really shocking, isn't it? What are the statistics? It's one out of um, how many women will be sexually? Well, in, in, in this country, uh, this, you know, different numbers, but I've seen one out of six. I've seen one out of four. Yeah. It depends on how it's phrased. It depends on what you include under abuse and assault, but it's very high. Very high, yeah. Um, someone had recommended the book to me you know, since I was doing this interview with you, uh, Know My Name by the gal in Stanford. Do you remember that yes. case? Yes. And I'm halfway through it. You know, my sister decided to read it, too, and we've been discussing it. It's just, it's so, the trauma alone for yeah. a young woman at, at that age in her 20s to go through something yeah. like that, not even know, knowing her assailant. And, yeah. you know, some of the things she talks about in the book are what happens to people when this, you know, this occurs in their life, which is drug abuse, um, mm-hmm. inability to form a great relationship, mm-hmm. uh, detachment, repression, mm-hmm. um, all sorts of things. So, I mean, it's wonderful that you have this kind of work. I mean, have you had survivors of this come to you who have, who experienced this years and years prior? Or oh, yes. Just, yeah, so they've repressed it or they didn't, and now with the Me Too movement, they didn't know how to deal with it? Yeah, well, actually, this happened before the Me Too movement. I had a woman come to me who was 72 years old to finally face and admit sexual abuse that she'd experienced as a child. She had really 
shoved it aside her whole life. She had convinced herself that she had dealt with it. And now at this point in her life, she just really wanted to face it head on, partially for the sake of her granddaughters. She wanted to be honest with them as part of where we are now in this culture. And it's so sad. You know, there's so much shame that goes along with it. I mean, just mm-hmm. you, we even see even the Harvey Weinstein case, many of these people who have been accosted or, uh, you know, they, they stay friendly with their uh, abuser. Mm-hmm. And they stay in communication. So it's all so confusing. Nobody really understands that until later, you know, and they take so much shame upon themselves. Yeah. It's really about the power dynamics and doing what you need the to power do to dynamics, survive. Yeah. You know, you're doing what you need to do to survive, and then there's so much shame around it, and you're, you know, victimized again in terms of being misbelieved or blamed for it. And really what my work is focused on is how we – how that shame stays in our body and how it shifts our relationship to our body and the damage that that does and what tools you can use to really clear that out. Well, let's talk about that because that's fascinating because, I mean, it really does permeate into the cells, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. So, so give an example of what, you know, what could happen to someone even years later if they buried it or, or just what, what happens when someone goes through this emotionally. Yeah. Well, I see a lot of different patterns from an energetic perspective, and, and one of the main ones is individuals who have some form of disassociation and especially childhood sexual abuse survivors will often develop coping mechanisms or survival mechanisms for surviving an abusive episode they sort of leave their body in a certain sense but then that becomes a pattern of never really being present in their body and that can lead to a lot of health issues that can lead to patterns of escapism through addiction or it might be more just a disconnection from emotions and from uh, healthy lifestyle, et cetera, self-care for your body because there's this shame associated with the body. On an energy body perspective, I really see that often as a disconnection from the first and second chakra, which are located at the tailbone and the pelvic area. And from a chakra perspective, if you don't have that energetic foundation, the whole rest of your chakra system has issues. So that's really one of the main things that I help individuals with first. That's usually the first thing we're looking at is how do we really get you feeling present in your body, able to feel pleasure in your body, able to experience your body as a positive thing. So the chakra is really, it's an energy field, you know, for, the, for those listening, you know, mm-hmm. 101 chakra, right, the definition, it's, a, it's an energy field. Yeah, well, the energy field has energy centers in it, and the chakras are the energy centers in the energy field. And that energy field is really considered to be an interface between your physical body and your psychology, your psyche. Like Carl Jung, you know, one of the main founders Mm -hmm, of Western psychology, was very into the chakras. And Mm -hmm. so there's different ways to relate to them. You can relate to them in a more woo-woo way where they're conducting energies, or you can relate to them more as focus points in the body that are connected to different psychological states. And either way, focusing on them through various meditative techniques can help you on both the physical and psychological level. Mm, That's wonderful. Um, so, so tell us about some of the recovery stories, some of the women you've worked with. I mean, and, and you know, it's, it's shocking, you know, when it's reading in this book, The Know My Name, to see all the different ways that it can affect your body, your emotionally, physically. And, I mean, some people even turn, turn to turn, excuse me, to being promiscuous, you know, which is mm-hmm. the last thing that you'd ever think someone would do. Yeah. You and know, I have after worked, being abused. Yeah. 
and I've worked with many women like that, especially if they were childhood abuse survivors. Childhood abuse often stops when it's usually the prime age is like 6 to 10, 6 to 11, before uh, a young girl really uh, necessarily knows how wrong it is. And then what often happens in the teen years is this acting out of promiscuous behavior because so often sexual abuse is someone that the person, the child was told to know and trust. Mm-hmm. So then there is this internalization of the idea, well, this is my worst then, uh, sexual behavior, right? And they just keep continuing to seek uh, validation through sexual behavior. And that's really the foundation of that promiscuous uh, work and so then it's really about helping to someone to source their worthiness from something else and that's you know that's full psychology work that's that may involve therapy and and meditation and chakra work to really begin to feel yourself uh, as an individual with self-worth separate from this imprinting that was done when you were very young right to connect the dots mm-hmm. yeah. And really, so, in promiscuous mm-hmm. behavior, it is often a type of disassociation, meaning it's rarely uh, a real sense of connection or pleasure. It's almost like individuals often report almost feeling like they're leaving their body during sexual yes. episodes. They're not yes. fully present for it. It's not about yes. pleasure in the body. So it is, again, about reconnecting to their body in a new way. Right, right. And and they're still looking for approval and connection and love, really, the bottom line. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's what we all want is that connection yeah. and, and to feel loved and, and respected, actually, yeah. you know, and and loved. So so how does it differ between men and women, the energy fields? Well, so women's energy fields are centered in our second chakra, which is in our pelvis. So the energy body differences really mirror the physical body differences, the primary physical body differences. And what that means, a a man's subtle body or energy body is anchored in the first chakra, which is associated with the tailbone. Because that second chakra is considered a reciprocal chakra or a a chakra that kind of absorbs energy from outside, a receiving chakra, women tend to be much more empathic. Both men and women can be empathic for sure. It's really a spectrum. But women tend to unconsciously take on others' emotions or feel others' emotions more. And I know some women can get uncomfortable with this because it sounds like we're playing into a lot of stereotypes, but really it's just technical, and once you understand that, you can learn how to boundary yourself better. And sexual abuse and assault survivors in particular often really have trouble drawing boundaries. They don't believe in their right to boundaries. So a lot of the work that I do is about helping women understand the sensitivity of their energy body and learning how to distinguish their emotions from the emotions of their partner in a relationship, from the emotions of their kids, so that they're really dealing with their own emotions. Mm-hmm. So they can be assertive and just speak up for themselves. Yeah, and really not get lost in the emotions of others. I think that can mm-hmm. often happen. Women in heterosexual relationships will often process the emotions of their partner. So if their partner is upset or angry, they end up internalizing that at, at the energy body level as opposed to keeping it separate and just helping their partner through it. You know, this isn't something everyone does, but it's a common pattern. And there's a lot of conditioning around that, too, that we are really conditioned to take responsibility for relationships. We tend to walk into a room and feel responsible. However, How is everyone in the room doing? So it's really breaking through all of that conditioning in order to maintain the integrity of your own energy body. Oh, yes, it's such a female thing, you know, yeah. to be taught to do that, to take care of everyone. 
yeah. and, and worry about everybody else before your own emotions. You know, the women's supposed to be doing everything. Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, and the energetic cost of that is just feeling really drained. Yes. And work it, what yes. working on the chakra level can do is it can really, you can get kind of technical tools mm-hmm. that you can use, visualizations and different focus points in your body that will help you just maintain your own sense of your personal power and your own energetic integrity. Mm-hmm. And for the sake of the men listening, of course, they never have an easy job either. They're supposed to be the, the you know, traditionally the breadwinners, you know. I mean, yeah. everything has changed today, but they certainly don't have an easy job either. And, yeah, and because the conditioning doesn't, yeah. yeah, it doesn't serve them either. I have 13-year-old boy-girl twins, and I'm still shocked at the gendered conditioning around emotions, right? How much boys are still really taught to shut down their emotions mm-hmm. and the damage that does to them, right? So women take on all the emotions, and boys are conditioned to shut them down. And it's really a root, in fact, of a lot of the issues in the world, including sexual abuse and assault. Yes, yes. So, so tell us what happens, you know, when something gets imprinted on someone, uh, an abuse survivor, let's say, and they don't deal with it. You know, it, it can permeate into your body, and can it cause illness? Can it cause depression? Can it, you know? Yeah, yeah, all of those things. Because our energy body is this interface, things that imprint on that level, we can, it can contribute to physical illness. It can contribute to depression and things like that. Um, and so... It really, that's the whole principle of mind-body medicine, that every, everything's connected. And I personally am a fan of complementary medicine, that you're working things on all different levels. You're working it medically on the physical level. You're working it energetically with meditation or chakra work. You're working it psychologically with therapy if you're having a major health crisis in any form. And it's amazing some of the things that will happen. I've seen a lot of women who had, say, uh, repeated ovarian cysts or uterine fibroids and things like that, that once they dealt with their sexual trauma, it never recurred again, and they have been going on for years and years. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, I read someplace years ago that it can actually, you know, emotional trauma can actually affect the cells in our body mm-hmm. and tell them, you know, direct them in a different, on a different path, you know, yeah. toward opening up an illness, opening up the door for illness, which is really yeah. scary. So it, yeah. it's just another reminder we have to be in touch with our, our feelings. And it's yeah. fascinating for me to hear something like a 72-year-old woman suddenly deals with her stuff and now she's she's, you know, she's released yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, yeah. How, what does the work involve? It's all when you work with someone. Are these tapes you have? And does your book walk people through a step-by-step? Yeah. Yeah, really what I'm focused on in the book is step-by-steps working with each chakra. They're kind of like chakra meditations, guided work. You can utilize them visually, and I do have pictures in the book that are visuals of imagining a certain chakra power. Or some people aren't so visual, and they prefer to work more with emotions and affirmations, statements, I am statements, I am powerful, or whatever it is, to sort of help them tap into the emotional energy. So I try to offer different doorways for working with these. When we're working with blocks in the body, it's more like I'm encouraging people to really feel in their body, you know, where is that part of you that is stressed, triggered, fearful? How does anxiety manifest in your body? Is it butterflies in your stomach? Is it tension in your jaw? And we can really learn to work on the body level. And it's it's really the energy body and the physical body. To breathe through that, be present with discomfort, and open up someone's window of tolerance, it's sometimes called, in terms of their ability to withstand more sensations that usually would trigger them into a dissociative state. 
do you have an, an audiobook or? There's not an audiobook yet, unfortunately, but it should be coming out this summer. What oh, I great. do have, yeah, what I do have is recordings of the tools on the book website. Now, they are meant to be utilized in conjunction with the book, yes. but they do describe the visuals of what you're trying to uh, imagine inside your own body. Okay, great. And also, so your book still can't be found as an iBook, though, right? Because most of the Amazon books you can get as a as an iBook or an uh, e-book, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you can get it Kindle. as a Kindle also, yeah. Uh, so that's great because I do, I have managed to figure out the Kindle app <laughs> with a double right. tap, and I'm actually, my sister's a, a writer, and I'm reading one of her books on Kindle, so that's great. Awesome. So, so that's good for people listening. And your website, why don't you tell people about your website? Yeah, the book website is chakraempowermentforwomen.com. Okay. So that's the main place you can go. And then I also have a blog called Mommy Mystic and a client website. I saw website. that. That's wonderful. Yeah. My kids are all teens now, so they don't call me Mommy anymore. But when I started that blog long ago, they did. So I've just oh, kept the name. Oh, that's terrific. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Well, what about the work you do with women, you know, with menopause, post-peri, you know, the, all that whole fun cycle? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, which I am just Somebody through. needed to help somebody with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I really, this is kind of my next mission. If I if I write a next book, it's going to be focused just on this. I feel like I have a lot to say on it. Yeah, I feel like in our culture it's just treated as a medical issue and it's really treated, uh, menopause is really treated as like the start of your demise, right? Like your, your yeah. shelf life. You've expired. Right, you know? right, right. right. <laughs> Right. And it's so fascinating when you go back and research energy teachings and spiritual teachings for women. It's actually considered a time of moving into your greatest wisdom. From an energy body perspective, this phase of perimenopause, which is kind of our 40s for most women, the Mm -hmm. 5 to 10 years before menopause, is actually a time when we experience energy surges. And some people tie these to hot flashes, in fact. And those are considered you know, kind of surges that can be used for tremendous personal and spiritual growth. And I do see more and more women tapping into that naturally, but that is another thing that I address in the book is is some techniques for kind of working with that energy as an opportunity to connect with your energy body, perhaps for the first time, and to really engage in a personal growth path so that menopause is this rebirth into your, your wisdom years, your most powerful years, which is what it should be. We, absolutely. It was uh, Jane Fonder, one of those, uh, you know, beautifully aging women I heard say that on, on a talk show once. And, you know, it is mm-hmm. the truth, you know, since you mm-hmm. hit 50 and you kind of go, well, well, if they don't agree with me, that's too bad. Exactly. <laughs> you kind of own your own power, as you say, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, so you also work with women in pregnancy, too, from the time the onset of their 20s right through their, their whole lifespan, which is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, our energy body shifts at each of these different phases, and it can be helpful to understand how that occurs, what's going on during pregnancy. Uh, Once you have a child, you now have this energy line between you and your child and learning to work with that so that your own needs are met and you're not sort of just giving all your energy to your child, really balancing all of that. It's helpful especially uh, in terms of maintaining work balance. So I think... You know, all of these work balance issues that women have been dealing with now for many decades, what I'm really trying to do is add this energetic technical component to the information. It's not for everybody, but some women may find it very valuable in terms of helping them work through some of those things. 
That's terrific. Now, what's a daily practice like for you besides taking care of teenagers? In terms uh, yeah. of meditation, and, and what would it be like for someone who was trying to recover from something? Or uh, mm-hmm. There are also a list of bullet points I wanted to, to focus on before we um, – we closed today, and that was, you know, helping people just before a job interview, mm-hmm. uh, before a, a heavy conversation they don't want to have. You know, I was reading some of your bullet points about how your system can also help them with other just everyday things that we all deal with. Yeah, and that really does drive my daily meditation to some extent, what I have coming up that day. I have a por- And I do meditate daily. I have a portion of my meditation that is just sitting and really trying to connect with stillness and letting go of my thoughts. And as they arise, I let them go again and again. And that's just creating that spaciousness Mm -hmm. for when things arise during the day. But then I'll focus on the chakras that I feel I need. Like if I have a little bit of a cold, I'm going to be focusing on the root and second chakra and trying to bring that energy into my body because they're linked to bolstering our immune system. If I have a big meeting or something, I might focus on my navel chakra and my throat chakra because they have to do with being in your power and speaking authentically. If I need to have, I'm going to visit my mother-in-law who has dementia, I might focus on my heart chakra and really try to center there so that I can be with her with presence and not get triggered by anything that she says or does. So it really, you know, that is another advantage of the chakras is they are tools for empowering particular aspects of yourself based on what's going on in your day. And that's what I'm trying to, to empower in the book as well. Okay. So do you, you literally breathe into that area and you visualize, or do you listen to a, a talking audio? Is that what your meditations are, yours are guided meditations? Yeah, for myself, now I do them on my own, but in the book, yes, they are guided. So it's both printed out in the book, and then on the website, it's me guiding the whole thing, and you can just listen to it. Yeah. Oh, and you can listen to it, right. And those are free on the website? They are, yeah. I mean, I'm hoping people will also buy the book, but I just put them out there for free. I decided to just go that route, you know? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. No, I I think I'll wait for the audio version this summer, because that's easier for me. Great. I, I prefer, are you doing it yourself? Going to, I am. Um, I'm reading. Oh, it that's myself. great. You have a great yes. voice. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. That's that's encouraging. Yeah. So you do that with. You're going to do it with Audible. That's right. Good. Yeah. That's great. I'm a started, big yeah. Audible fan. Yeah. You know what oh, I good. do without it. Good. Yeah. So, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wind down? You know, on time and everything about the book or about your experience working with people or the benefits, the bullet points we discussed? Yeah. I think really give it a try. You know, I think don't go, I would encourage people to not go, oh, I believe in the chakras or I don't believe in the chakras. Mm -hmm. Just give it a try and see what happens. I think it's interesting. Things happen. You don't have to believe in it for it to happen is, I guess, what I would say. And finding the right modality for yourself. And for any sexual trauma survivors out there, I really encourage you to seek help and find the right modality for yourself. There are a lot of different healing modalities out there. If you've tried something and you don't feel it was beneficial, keep looking. And uh, there's another great nonprofit I work with called the breathenetwork.org, which actually helps survivors connect with all different types of holistic therapies. So that's a good place to look as well. That's beautiful, yeah. And, you know, just to listen to your inner voice. You know, if something keeps coming up and it's not dealt with, it means it's time to be heard. Yeah. You know. And as painful as it seems, once you do, you'll feel even more powerful. Absolutely. Uh, embracing something is just the way to go because, um, you know, you, if you fight against the, the current of the ocean, you know, you'll never, you'll always go under, you know. 
but uh, but by embracing something is just it it opens up your whole world. So Lisa, it's just been wonderful, you know, our whole conversation. I wish you so much luck with your book, and please give our listeners again the name of your website and your blog. Before yeah, com. That's also the name of the book, and MommyMystic.com. Beautiful, great. So for those of you listening, my guest has been Lisa Erickson. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful uh, conversation, and I hope that you'll check out her book and her meditations, and I know I will. And I hope you have a blessed day. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Kristen. This is Second Vision. I'm Kristen McDonald.